and welcome to Inside Eco Devo, an economic development podcast helping Missourians prosper. On this episode, we're talking about broadband in Missouri, and sitting down with us is BJ Tanksley, the director of the Missouri Office of Broadband Development with Inside the Missouri Department of Economic Development. BJ, welcome. Thanks for sitting down to speak with us. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's great to be here. Broadband is getting a lot of attention right now, uh, but we still have a lot of Missourians that don't have it. So um, a lot of opportunity in front of us and glad to explore those today. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to, to getting down and, and all the little uh, granular things that I'm sure we'll get into. But before we do that, can you just give us a little bit of a background on yourself? How did you become to be the, the director for Office of Broadband? Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I've been here since January of 21, so I still call myself the relatively new. You know, Tim Arbeiter was here before me and did a fantastic job. I come to this position from the advocacy world. Um, for the 10 years prior to that, I worked for Missouri Farm Bureau. I started at Missouri Farm Bureau as a, as a regional guy. I was in southeast Missouri, which was where I'm from, um, and was working with farmers and ranchers in rural communities across that area. One of the things we heard a lot about at a statewide level at Missouri Farm Bureau was about the lack of broadband access. And at that time, you know, you're talking um, early 2010s, 20-teens, people were talking about, you know, not being able to educate from home and not being able to do healthcare from home and work from home. And the impacts on communities, when you raise a child in a rural community and they go to school and then they ultimately go to, you know, further education or college, and they get used to having that instant access and then try to come home and not having that. So you started to hear that from that generation of early 20 year olds, those types of things of there's services I'm used to that now I can't have. And so that's where I heard it first, um, then transitioned to working for Missouri Farm Bureau in the state capitol, advocating for those same Missouri Farm Bureau members. And one of our number one issues was rural broadband and trying to get services to the state of Missouri where it doesn't currently have it. Um, so we were able to advocate successfully. We, we were the ones advocating for an office of broadband, ultimately. Interestingly enough, uh, you know, having those old first conversations in the Capitol and among um, the administration at the time of, hey, this is something we need to have an office to focus on these issues. It's important enough that you need someone focused on trying to tackle those And who would have thought that, you know, here we are a few years later, but that's kind of the background I bring to it is let's try to bring service to as many Missourians as we can. And luckily, uh, we have a huge opportunity in front of us now. You know, the COVID pandemic was was not good for anybody, but the one thing it did do was it shined a light on what we had been talking about for a long time, which was people need connectivity. And it showed it when we needed it most, when we were all at home because we needed to be to stay safe. We, a lot of people didn't have that connectivity that they needed. And so that does, and through the legislative process, has given us an opportunity with, let's face it, unprecedented funding coming to our state. And we're going to use it diligently to try to tackle these issues so that going forward, we're more prepared and people across the state have that connectivity that they need for everyday life. Um, and we're excited about the chance we have in front of us. Let's dive into it, Um, and we'll kind of start basic here off the top. What is broadband? I know a lot of people think like, hey, it has some connectivity, no pun intended, to internet, but the term broadband, where does that come from? What are we talking about when we use that? Yeah, so typically when you talk about broadband, you're talking about high-speed internet connection, and that can come in many forms. Kind of the the borderline between just internet connectivity and broadband is that then it's high-speed. It's a connectivity that allows you, and I don't want to get too in the weeds, but upload and download speeds, that's the exchange of information. 
Upload is when you're sending information to someone and download is when you're receiving information. And I like to say that entertainment is typically on the download side uh, because I'm, you know, watching Netflix or hearing a podcast on my phone or whatever it may be. That's me receiving. That's the download side of the conversation. And upload is when I'm sending information. So when our kids were all educating from home, that's when we saw the need for better connectivity uh, because they were then asked to send information. That was your video being taken in the kitchen or the office or whatever it was, then trying to go to the ultimate receiver. So that was the upload side of the conversation. I hope that helps kind of bring things to to to, to make it simplified in people's minds because you hear us talk a lot about numbers. We talk about numbers like 10-1. I, I remember when we first started talking about this in my previous roles, we were talking about speeds like 10-1 being somewhat adequate. Well, 10 is the download speed and 1 being the upload speed. That was fine when we were just receiving information and doing it one person at a time. But in a world where we have multiple devices and homes and people are now wanting to actually exchange information, work from home, educate from home, and telehealth from home, you have to be able to send it too, which is why you have us now talking about speeds like 100 by 100 symmetrical speeds. So not only can a household receive information, but it can also send information just as fast. Let's dive into the office itself. What What is your office tasked with, with doing? Give us the scope of the work that's going on. It's changed a lot. The office has, you know, the office started as a one-man shop. Tim Arbeiter, who was here before me, did a great job. And his role at that time was really about promoting broadband. He was talking about federal programs, and then eventually there was a state broadband grant program passed by the legislature and ultimately funded a year later. And so they were able to actually do some grants through the office to try to facilitate broadband into places that didn't have it. But ultimately, he spent a lot of time also talking about just educating on broadband. What is it? Why is it important? What doors can it unlock for people? And we still do a lot of that, but the the office has changed also. With the passage of the ARPA plan, ARPA program at the federal level and the upcoming IIJA plan, our office needed to be able to grow. And luckily, the governor's office really prioritized broadband, seeing it as a major piece of our state's infrastructure, and have and the legislature agreed, um, allowing us to really grow. And since I came in here on, in January, uh, we have added... 10 uh, team members. Um, So now we're at an office of, I think, about 11 at this point. Uh, We have one or two more positions to fill, but we're thrilled. Um, And that's not just growth for growth's sake. Uh, The truth is every member of that team is very busy as we are trying to smartly deploy ARPA programming. The legislature brought us a lot of funding, and it really has changed the focus. The question was, what's the focus of the office? Well, right now we have so much funding. One of our main focuses is using these grant dollars that were brought to us through the federal government and the state legislature to try to bring broadband to areas that doesn't have it. The truth is there's a lot of areas of Missouri that are you know sparsely populated, and the financials of that don't make sense without some help to bring that service. It's not unlike uh, when, we, when we helped bring electricity to all of rural America. It took a large programs and a, and a lot of opportunities to try to bring those electric connections. And we're kind of in a time similar to that, where people have recognized that connections to the internet or otherwise connectivity is not a luxury anymore. It's a necessity. And we have that opportunity in front of us. So we have staffed up to be able to do that in a smart way. You know, it's, it's one thing to say, hey, we're going to go tackle this. But luckily, we have the team members to be able to do that. 
and we're partnering with great providers across the state where we will bring some funding, they will bring some funding, communities may even bring some funding to this to be able to try to make these projects make sense financially and for long-term viability of those. So we'll be doing a lot of that. Now that's one half of our team. The other half of our team is really focused on what's coming next, and that was the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. And we'll be doing a lot of public engagement around the state of Missouri, hearing from communities of where they struggle and the strengths they have as we try to bring equity and access to the Internet across the state of Missouri. There's a lot of things you mentioned there that yes. uh, we'll, we'll dive a little deeper in. We'll kind of take it a, a piece by piece. But I think uh, the first thing we'll dive into is you've brought up rural side, mm -hmm. many Missourians not having reliable access or maybe just not having access. Mm -hmm. And in this day and age, that's almost, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around. And maybe I just come from that perspective because I live in the city where mm -hmm. I have internet and I've already had it. How many Missourians fall within the, that category of not having reliable internet or just not having internet at all? Yeah, it's a, it's a little difficult um, to put a specific number to it. Missouri usually ranks in the low 30s to high 40s nationwide. So I remember a few, uh, maybe a year ago, we were somewhere like 42 in connectivity. Um, I think recently we were ranked like 38th. But um, last spring, spring of 2021, we wrapped up a study that studied connectivity across the state. And it's not going to give us just the number of citizens because you never know how many people are in a household, those kinds of things. But it did estimate that 400,000 serviceable locations had less than adequate service. So there was somewhere in the neighborhood of 100,000, 150,000 that didn't have connectivity above 10-1. And there was, you know, the remainder of that 200 plus thousand that had between 10-1 and 25-3 access, which doesn't allow for multiple connections to be working at the same time. So Basically, the estimate was 400,000 serviceable locations that didn't have great service. And so that's really where we're focused. Uh, we'll spend some time this fall talking more about that report with the public. Um, but it really did provide some bedrock to our office. It's one thing to say, hey, we're trying to do something. But this really allowed us to say, okay, here's the size of the problem. We know some funding opportunities in front of us, but here's the size of the problem. Let's focus on how do we take bits and pieces of this and try to connect those 400,000 locations. And was the threshold for determining that group of individuals, was that that 10-1 uh, speed? W were there other factors involved determining who is serviced and not? Yeah, it was It was 10-1 was considered unserved. If you had access to less than 10-1, you were considered unserved. If you um, had access to less than um, 100 by 20, you were considered underserved. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Let's go back. Less than 25.3 was considered unserved. So if a household or a location had less than 25.3, it was considered underserved or unserved. And if it had less than 100 by 20, it was underserved. Um, it's amazing how quickly these numbers have changed in just a few years uh, to where now, um, in order to be considered served, uh, it was 100 by 20, actually. And that is because the federal government has recognized that through these funding opportunities that that threshold is up now uh, where if you don't have access to 100 by 20, we could actually work to fund in that area. And when we bring service to the area, the standard for bringing new service is 100 by 100 symmetrical at this point. Um, that is service uh, that will allow multiple multiple users to s use the internet to the full extent possible. And that's not just streaming, that's sending information, being able to upload large documents all at the same time. Um, and I think it's really going to open doors for people. I know you haven't been with the department for a very long time, but 
I keep hearing that the funds that we have coming in is historical. We've not had yeah. this, this much funding for broadband. What is the significance of that and how does it compare to what has happened in the past? Yeah, yeah, it's it's really interesting, and I half jokingly say I, I remember a few years ago when we were asking the legislature for five million dollars for the broadband grant program, uh, we knew we had a huge problem in front of us. But the idea was let's do something, you know, let's let the office be active and trying to bring broadband into Missouri. We are now talking about you know hundreds of times that amount of funding. Uh, ARPA, the American Rescue Plan Act, actually brought the state of Missouri billions of dollars, and the state has has used to prioritize that. The governor's office and the legislature has actually sent our office $265 million to try to do the broadband grant program, and that's active right now. We'll close for applications at the end of September, and so it really is. That's huge. You know, we're talking about a real opportunity here. With those smaller programs, we've been able to connect, you know, five and 10,000 people at a time. With this program, we're going to be able to make more connections. Um, So we really have a great opportunity right here. And that's historic in and of itself. But in the last stimulus, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, they actually have a standalone broadband program. And it actually had $42.5 42.5 billion or 42.2 billion dollars towards broadband billion with a b and I, like i said i remember talking about 5 million dollars we're now talking about missouri getting its portion of that 42 billion dollar bu- uh, you know bucket of money for broadband and we're going to get a significant portion of that because it's going to be doled out among the states based on the need of the state as we've discussed, the state has a quite a bit of need, so we expect quite a bit of funding to come. And it's actually been labeled at the federal level the Internet for All. And, and that's really the goal that we've been charged with when we've put in our, our you know, firsthand applications for those programs. You know, they're telling us, you know, look towards how can over the next five to six years you try to make connections with all of those, you know, 400,000 locations that we've identified as not having them. And so there's a real opportunity here. It is really a chance and, and you know, we don't want to, you know, overstate it, but we do have an opportunity here with a large amount of funding to work with providers. That's one thing I want to stress is our office doesn't make any connections. We don't go out there and lay wire and we don't connect to households, but we work with great providers across the state. They bring private funding to every one of these projects. Otherwise, they don't happen. But we're able to work with them to try to make the financials make sense to bring service to people that otherwise wouldn't receive it. How does the funding break down? I'm sure it's not just one lump sum going out the door. I'm sure we have different factors and areas where it's going. How does it break down? Yeah, absolutely. So the ARPA plan, uh, $265 million ARPA broadband program is open now. Uh, We will let those, we will announce those awards or on schedule to announce those awards in December of 2022. And so that will be the first kind of tranche of funding while we're doing those grants and getting ready for that, our Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act team will be doing public engagement, as I kind of mentioned earlier. We'll be going around the state and preparing for that IIJA funding opportunity. We anticipate getting our first run of funds for IIJA in mid-2023 and then doing a ground of grants with that funding in 2023. And then you'll see subsequent rounds probably for two or three years following that. So our office really for the next three to five years plus will be very active with kind of what we anticipate is we'll be rolling grants 
oh, you know, every six months or a year, we'll do another round of grant letting. We'll allow the providers to come to us with great projects that they see making sense and, and really allowing that to go. One main difference that will happen is between now and the IIJA opportunity, the FCC is redoing broadband mapping. Broadband mapping for years has been known to be a challenge of where access is and is not, and there's a major effort going on um, to make that better. And so when we undertake the IIJA effort, we will actually be more prescriptive than our office has been in the past in saying these are identified locations that don't have access and then telling the broadband providers where, kind of telling them more of where to go. In the past, we've always just said, providers come tell us where service is not, and then we'll weigh that option and try to prove it out. In the future, with the next opportunities, it'll be more of a, hey, these are the identified map of unserved locations and underserved locations. Where would you like to serve? So it'll be a little bit different in that instance. Okay. So give us a little bit more context of the difference between IIJA and ARPA. Like where are they handling? What's the area that they're, you know, focused on? Yeah. That, and I think what we just said was the biggest difference is right now the the ARPA funded program, we are basically letting the providers say, hey, I have an un or unserved location here in southwest Missouri, and I could use these funds to, you know, grow my territory and serve that area, bringing great service to new locations. In the future, we're going to have a map that more says, okay, I don't know what the color scheme will be, but red is bring us, you know, is, is available for funding and white is not. Hey, tell us where within these areas you're willing to go bring service. So we'll, like I said, we'll be a little more prescriptive. That's the biggest difference. The other thing that IIJA is funding is digital equity opportunities. And that may sound like, you know, buzz terms to some people, but really allowing us to address the other side of the equation. It's one thing to have access to the internet, but as I've heard someone say, it doesn't matter if there's a line coming down the road. If I don't see value in the connection, I'm never going to pay for the connection. And ultimately what we want is people actually engaging in the digital economy. And, and so that's where we'll be able to work with some of that. That's talking about bringing affordable devices, affordable internet, and then digital literacy training to try to increase the adoption side to make sure that people that may have otherwise not been connected previously are able to fully engage, work from home, educate from home, and telehealth from home, as we've said multiple times here. Um, but really, you know, if you've never engaged, you know, you see people asking for your credit card number. Is that safe? Is that not safe? You see people asking for personal information. Is this or is it not? If you're going to be doing these more high-level connectivity, uh, you're going to be asked a lot of questions. And if you're new to it, it may not be a comfortable world. So we're going to try to bring those digital skills to people to try to upgrade that as well. Is there a timeline uh, for when these projects get underway to when they're complete, where a customer is getting reliable, mm -hmm. good internet, and that might depend on whether there's infrastructure already, you're just upgrading it, or if you're starting from scratch, what's that timeline look like? Yeah, um, that's a great question because, you know, we're talking a lot and, and there's a lot of opportunities, but they are, they do take time. So that's a great, great question. The ARPA funded grants that we will put out have to be expended by the end of 2026. So that's a three-year time frame-ish from the time we'll announce awards to actually having service plugged in and should be able to go. And so the one caveat I want to give to that is let's understand there's a lot of this funding going on around the United States. We are still facing some supply chain issues, some construction, some workforce issues. So we may see some delays, but that's we are looking to fund projects 
that can be done easily within that time frame. We've told providers across this, you know, since we started talking about these, we want achievable projects to be able to bring service as quickly as possible. So we're really excited about letting it get out there and then seeing these projects get underway. But the deadline for ARPA is 2026. IIJA has a little longer term for, time frame for that. Um, but I think we will bring the same focus, which is let's bring achievable sized projects so that we can overcome some of those workforce and supply chain issues. Let's get things that can be done quickly because there's nothing more frustrating than when I get a call because our office takes calls every day and we're happy to do so. And, and a citizen of Missouri says, hey, um, I live in X county and I don't have service. And, you know, we look into it and it says, oh, well, there, there's an award in that area. So somebody's supposed to be bringing you service. And then you find out, well, it may be two or three years from now. Well, that doesn't help me today. It doesn't help me, my kids trying to educate from home. It doesn't help any of those things that I want to be able to do. And, and really, that's frustrating. So we want to fund projects that can be done quickly. And that's the, that's the focus we'll continue to take to it. And when it comes to implementing these projects and getting them done, Missouri geographically is quite diverse. Yeah. We have areas that are flat. We have areas that are kind of mountain light, I'll say. We yes. have lakes. We have very diverse terrain. How does that play into getting these projects underway? It does. It, it really does. And, and, you know, you've got providers in northern Missouri that have fertile soils and deep soils, and it's easy to bury. You've got the Ozark area where it, you've basically got to go above ground. Um, the good thing is we have experienced providers in all of those areas, and largely we'll be working with those same providers. Now, there could be new providers coming, and they're welcome to apply as well, but you're right. Uh, you need somebody who understands the geography to understand the cost of actually coming, and that's why we're willing to fund any of those. It can be aerial. It can be buried. It could be Wi-Fi. As long as it lives up to the service standard, you know, whether I was at my previous role or in this role, my goal has always been when we're talking about broadband is – if we're going to use public funding to bring these projects, it should bring a project that's going to stand the test of time and allow citizens to really fully engage and not have to be overbuilt in the near future. Let's be smart about what we're doing, and we're going to tr we bring that same voice here to this office. It, that kind of begs a good question of when you lay a wire to, to send Internet to a community, a neighborhood, what have you, what is the the longevity of that wire? Because technology moves as a at an exponential rate. Things get faster and better all the time. Yeah. How long is that wire good for? Yeah, when we're talking about wire connections, largely ever at this point, most people are talking about fiber connections. And from what I hear when it comes to fiber, as long as it's not cut or disturbed, you're talking about, you know, a hundred years. It can last a long time. Fiber doesn't have to be replaced and it's also relatively scalable. The other great news is we are seeing large advancements in other technologies to bring connectivity, including wireless technologies that I'm told can bring great speeds to large numbers of people. As long as it can bring that, we're happy. We, we love seeing advancements in other opportunities. But yeah, if you're, if you're laying a wire, I hear that it can last a long time. You know, you never know with weather or something happening. Um, there's always some, there's always the opportunity for disturbances. Besides that, I hear it's very, very uh, long, you know, can, can stick around a long time. Yeah. Um, some of the, the projects, or maybe projects is the wrong word, uh, programs, I'll mm -hmm. say, like the cell phone tower yeah. uh, program and all that. 
How, how much of those are within broadband and, and what's oh, yeah. the kind of scope? There? Yeah, that's a, that's a great, great. Thank you for bringing that up. We haven't talked about it. Um, aside from our, from our broadband grant program, we the legislature also funded $20 million for it towards a cell tower program. We expect this fall to open for applications, and it may be a little longer application window than the others have been because there may be some coordination necessary for that. But we anticipate funding that $20 million towards new cell towers and, and really trying to bring the same standards as we have for, with the office when it comes to broadband of trying to bring cell coverage to areas that don't have it. Trying to bring that same standard of let's don't fund projects that would otherwise happen, but let's use this public funding to increase, you know, cellular technology may not be the ultimate connectivity, but quite frankly, if you don't have that, you don't have anything. And so let's use these funds to try to bring a connection to places that don't have it. I know working in rural Missouri a lot, long time, everybody knows that area that if you go around the corner of, you know, state road, whatever, uh, service drops. Even between here in Columbia, Missouri, we're in Jeff City right now, uh, there's a place where it often drops and, and trying to solve those places. You know, it may be an inconvenience for me having a personal phone call. Uh, but if you're in an emergency situation and, and in a place with no coverage, that's less than just that's more than just an inconvenience. And that's really the reason why we're thrilled that the legislature funded that and looking to put together a good program to bring, uh, you know, that type of connectivity to areas that don't have it as well. So, yeah, we'll do uh, 20 million dollars in that program. It's a new effort for the state of Missouri to get into that kind of role. But we're excited about trying to work with the uh, provider community to to work in that area as well. We were talking about the project timeline for mm-hmm. laying a wire that, that's, you know, varies depending on the situation. And in terms of the funding, I know a lot of work is still going on behind the scenes with, mm-hmm. with the team. Do we have timeline on, on that yet? On uh, on the IIJA funding timeline or? Uh, both IIJA yeah. and ARPA, how does, how does it? Yeah, so ARPA is open for applications right now. Um, so we will, we're taking applications. We've seen a number of submissions come in. We're excited that December of 2022, we will announce those awards. Now, our goal is to fund all of the $265 million in programs. I anticipate we'll get projects to do so. But if we don't, if because we, we want to fund great projects, if for some reason we feel like there's some money left over or we need to have another round, we will open another round of grants pretty well immediately. So early in 2023, we would do that with ARPA. The Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, we will know our full funding for that in the spring of 2023, which then lets us announce our first round of those grants in, we anticipate being July or August of 2023, which would put us on kind of a July open, December announce timeframe for the next few years. Now, what we will continue to do, the most exciting part about this is we're starting to really change the conversation. You know, the federal government was doing the majority of the funding for these, and we still are using federal funds, but they're coming through the state. We will continue to engage with local communities to make sure that we know, hey, here's an area of County X that we don't have a provider in. And we're able to kind of turn that conversation. And although the funding will continue to roll kind of, you know, every six months or a year, we'll be able to continue to engage with those locations and say, okay, you know, here's an area we want to prioritize getting service to. Let's talk to service providers. Let's get more hands on. And having more staff in our office, we're able to do so and actually work with those communities. 
Another area that we haven't talked a lot about would be digital equity. And that digital equity, we anticipate somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to $25 million coming to our office in 2023 to fund about five years of digital equity programming. So that's kind of the time frame for that digital equity side of things. And we really want to work with providers in that area, bringing connectable devices, bringing digital literacy training and, and skills to those areas. And the interesting part about that, that goes for all people that don't have a history of connectivity. We're able to actually bring both sides of the equation. So I, that's the time frame on it as well. And speaking of the internet service providers, yeah. wherever you go, there's probably two, three big names that you always hear, but there's other providers as well. What's the landscape of that look like? And does that factor in at all? Who's providing what, where? It absolutely does. You know, it's it, the, the broadband world is an interesting space uh, where it's not regulated as to who serves where. And so we do have, you know, Missouri is lucky. We've got some of the big providers that are, you know, everybody knows their name because they're nationwide. Um, and we also have a number of local providers, whether they be local electric cooperatives or local providers across the state of other just telephone provider companies that have also provided broadband service. Um, but we have a, a, a vast array of types of providers who have hopped up to try to fill a, a need. I was talking to one in, in, quite frankly, South Central Missouri just the other day, and he said, well, I needed service, so I brought service to my house, and then my neighbor wanted service, so it just kind of organically grew into a business where he's actually making quite a few connections and continuing to do so and taking part. We are willing and, and, and thrilled to work with all across the board of those types of providers to try to, you know, the ultimate goal is let's work with as many of them as we can, bring quality service, that way everybody's working towards this end goal all across the state. Where do you see the future of this going. Yeah. A great, nobody has a crystal ball. I mean, there's lots of technology out there like satellites, you know, giving uh, internet to more rural places. From your experience and where you see the trajectory going, where, where do you see the future of, of broadband and internet going? The future is bright for sure. Um, like we talked about with wireless technology and you mentioned with satellite, those technologies are all getting better, and that's a good thing, and that's promising to everybody who today struggles with connectivity. You know, if you're using a mobile hotspot today, it's better than it was 10 years ago. It may not be great, but it's better than it was. Satellite technology is better than it was and continues to evolve. The joke I always use internally and externally is, if I could tell everybody where to go, we'd get through this a little quicker, but that's not our goal as an office. We want to work with providers and when I look into the future, I think we really have a great opportunity. That gap analysis that told us that we had about uh, 400,000 locations also estimated that we had about a $2 billion shortcoming in order to bring service. That's about what it would cost at that time. There may be some inflation in that today, but that's what it estimated at that time. Well, the truth is Missouri's going to bring a lot of funding to the table. Providers are going to bring a lot of funding to the table. So I think we have a real opportunity to take out a big chunk of that serviceable locations needing service. I don't want to sit here today and promise that we're going to bring service to everyone. But I do think rural Missouri and the areas, and I don't want to just say it's rural. It's all across the state where there are people that struggle. Um, you know, even some of our urban areas, whether they're more established neighborhoods that don't have great connections because the services haven't been upgraded. You've got fast growing areas where service providers don't get to very quickly. There's a lot of areas that, you know, that have challenges, urban and rural and suburban. But I think the future does look different. You know, I hope and our office's real goal over the next, you know, five to 10 years years is to look back and think, you know, what, what a great impact we were able to make. And that's one thing I do want to stress is we are talking about big numbers here. 
This is huge. But we want to make lasting investments in true infrastructure of our state, not unlike the highway systems or bringing electricity to the rural, most rural areas um, that we can look back and go, can you imagine there was a time where we didn't think that was necessary, where we, didn't, we thought that it was about entertainment and not about full engagement in the economy, that we want to really look back here in the next you know, five to 10 years and go, wow, we really took a chunk out of that. And people in the, you know, the areas that hadn't been able to before are able to fully engage. And really, that's the goal. Uh, one of the main goals is to make sure people can live and work wherever they want to and not be forced to make that decision based on services they can or can't receive. For those who are listening who want to find out more information yeah. about what's going on in the Office of Broadband Development, where can they go to find that? First of all, there's the ded.mo.gov website um, where you'll be able to find a lot of information related to especially our IIJA opportunities. There's the ARPA-specific website, which is ded.mo.gov backslash ARPA. Those are great resources. Um, but I don't want anyone to ever hesitate just to call our office. Those connect, those lines are available online. I'm horrible about not remembering the office phone number. I bet you can plug it in at the end of <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, we put it in the show notes. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Put it in the show notes. But yes, please reach out to us. We take those calls and we take them seriously. The truth is we keep track of where we've heard from before. And then when a provider calls and says, hey, I would like to service X location, then we can also say, we know people in that area that also need service. Uh, so we're always helpful, happy to help. What's really fun, and it does happen, I, I want people listening to know, there's times when, you know, someone in an area will call and say, hey, I don't have connectivity. We'll be able to dig into it a little bit and actually get them a service provider who says, hey, we're about to be working in that area. You know, three months from now, you're going to be connected. And we're able to actually make those connections. Now, I don't want to overpromise. It doesn't happen every day. Uh, but we're thrilled to try to connect people with possible providers. And then if not, let them know that these funding opportunities are going to try to bridge that over the next few years. In your guys' office, I mean, you pretty much have to take that boots on the ground kind of perspective, uh, reaching out, hearing from people so you can implement the best way possible. Yeah, yeah we're super excited about what IIJA funded for our office. We have an IIJA team of three people plus myself, and we are actually teaming up with the regional planning commissions and the University of Missouri to really go out and storm the state. We're going to have local meetings around the state and actually visit with people firsthand. Now, I don't know that we'll be surprised by what we hear. I think we're going to hear, you know, we have a lack of connectivity. This is what we need, and this is where we're struggling. But to hear it firsthand, I think, will be valuable for every one of us. And that's what really makes the connection. It's easy to get lost in the big numbers and, oh, there's this many unserved locations, and this is all the money it's going to cost. But the truth is, there's a lot of people who aren't able to fully engage. We're going to go hear from them and then let them know we have an opportunity to try to try to address that. And lastly, the department's motto or mission, so to speak, yeah. is helping Missourians prosper. Absolutely. So within the work that you do and your team does, how does Office of Broadband Development help push that forward? There's no clearer you know, tie than what we're doing. You know, when I worked for my previous employment at Missouri Farm Bureau and working in rural areas, but also knowing this is true in urban areas that lack connectivity too, we invest a lot into our young people and then they, they decide where they're going to live. We need them to be able to choose to live wherever they want. They don't have to go back to rural or urban Missouri either way to receive a certain service. 
but we want them to be able to fully engage in the economy no matter where they live. And I think this really opens opportunities for all of Missouri to prosper no matter where they are. And if you choose to live in an urban area with great service already, great. But if you choose to live in a little more less populated area, hopefully our programs will allow you to make that choice for yourself, not based on what you can or cannot do there. Uh, the line I always use is in today's world, you can you can work from home and you can have any business you want. You can prosper from anywhere you want. But if you don't have a connection there, uh, you may not be able to do everything you may have chosen to. So we're really excited about the opportunities in front of us. And I think it fits right into the mission of helping Missourians prosper. Absolutely. I think that's uh, couldn't couldn't end on a, on a better note. Yes. Uh, BJ, thanks again for sitting down with us. Uh, I'll open it up just one last time. If there's something that we should cover that we hadn't already. No, I, I think that wraps it up. The, the thing I know is we get into numbers and, and uploads and downloads, but the truth is this really does impact people's lives. And our office is super excited about the opportunity we have in front of us, no matter where people are from, urban, rural, suburban, to try to address those issues and try to increase that connectivity across the state. There's a lot of chances in front of us, and, and we're really excited. Uh, when we get out there, please, people that are listening, come to those meetings, engage with us, connect with our office. Let us know what you're experiencing so that we can learn from it to do smart. Perfect. BJ, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to this broadband episode of Inside EcoDevo. To find out more about what's happening at the Missouri Department of Economic Development, including current programs and upcoming opportunities, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can also visit our website, ded.mo.gov, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If there's an economic development topic you're interested in hearing more about, then let us know by emailing your questions or comments to ded.communications at ded.mo.gov.